0: Another wild Champions League day today. It's match day four in the Champions League with Tuesday's slate of fixtures. Chelsea taking on Milan in Italy. Sevilla and Bruce Dortman fighting it out for second place behind Manchester City in Group G. And trouble for Juve in Israel. Oh my word. PSG, they hosted Benfica. An interesting end to that game. Got Nigel Rio Coker, James Bench. We'll have Jonathan Johnson joining us a little bit later on. So make sure you sit back, grab a drink, relax, or if you're in your car. Drive a little bit slower because Nigel Real Cooker's on the show. You never know what he's gonna say. Kegalato begins right now. Welcome along, everybody. Welcome, boys. James Bench, Nigel Real Cooker with me right now. We're recapping match day four in the Champions League. Tuesday, Slater fixtures just finished. Nigel, how you doing, man?
1: I'm great, mate. I just
0: hope people make some
1: more comments. Not just about the football, but make comments about that awful tie that you're wearing. And I know James is supporting me. We want to see some comments about Ian's. If you just, have you just come from court, tie. Ian. Yeah.
0: I'm just going to let you know, this is the family tartan, this is McLaughlin tartan, so you're actually not making fun of me, you're making fun of the whole clan. So if you've got a problem, Nigel Rio Coker we will invade Show England at kilt. some point. Show us your kilt. How <laughs> yeah, about that? Show us your kilt. Hey, James Bench, how you doing, buddy? I know it's been a busy day for you, but thank you so much for joining us. How's it going, man? Yeah, no, I'm dreadful.
2: I'm on the Lemsip today. Uh, I've been struggling the last few days, which is why I missed yesterday's pod. Um, and I'm still kind of getting over my devastation at having discovered that on Sunday, what I thought was a wonderful day at the Emirates stadium. I missed the chance to meet my hero, the number one rapper in the world, Kendrick Lamar. I Why? missed the chance to meet Where? him.
0: Where were we supposed he was, to be
2: he was at the Emirates. And no this has happened to me every single time. The Emirates is like, obviously being in London, being the best team in London. It is a high for celebrity <laughs> appearances. Uh, Two years ago, or two or three years ago, missed Rihanna, which was particularly hard to take. And I thought next time, next time a superstar's in town, I'm going to get my selfie. Um, And then didn't discover until I finally got home that Kendrick Lamar, the greatest rapper in the world, Uh, was at the Emirates and uh, I didn't get a chance to say hi
0: James I'm really really sorry that you missed those uh, you know interactions with famous people but Nigel Rio Coker's here if that helps you in any way he's (laughs) he's pretty famous and famous (laughs) enough so I hope that helps you along here thanks uh, for joining us James I know you've been under the weather but it's, it's great to have you with us obviously a lot of games a lot of crazy results so out there please make sure you join in the chat if you've got a comment Please let us know your feeling about every single game. If your team has played today, let us know. If the team that you hate the most played today and lost, let us know if they won. Also, let us know what you feel, what you think. Drop in a comment. We'll try to get the best comments out there. Yeah, in the yeah, say, say the
1: first comment, Ian. Don't try to skip past that first comment
0: about your tie being sloppier than Juventus is defending. That's a great comment. Listen, Rafa, I appreciate the comment. Juventus's defending was a little bit sloppy, but this tie, it's on fire. Unlike Juventus's defense right now, uh, let's get into it. Group E action today. It was absolutely crazy. AC Milan, Chelsea, four points a piece going into this match day today. AC Milan were the favorites for. Most people around the world, and certainly the bookies looked at, said, well, maybe they could be a favorite. But Chelsea went into the game with a game plan. And Nigel Rio Coker, it turned out to be a great game plan. Because although there was a controversial decision in this game, I want to know if you agree with it or not with the red card. What did you think about the result? What did you think about the tactical approach from Graham Potter? I thought it was a good result for them. It's a great result.
1: For Chelsea, I thought Chelsea were fantastic from start to finish. In all honesty, they put on a real professional display, played well. There's a little bit of a worry for obviously England with the Rhys James situation. So if you look at how he landed on his knee, but I would say looking at this Chelsea side now, this Chelsea team, they're really starting to play into the mold of Graham Potter. He's really starting to see, we're really starting to see the rewards of what he's doing and the players are buying into it. Really good performance by Chelsea. But let's not miss it. That the big main talking point is the sending off. That sending off changed the whole dynamic of the game. It's sad, but... Is it the right mind, call, Nigel? Right decision? It's the right decision. If you are tomorrow, you're going to feel hard done by. Because the reality of it is, it's a foul. And my personal perspective on how I look at it is, I can't stand when players go down easily. I can't stand it. Maybe I'm too old school, too hard-headed. But I, if you're going to go down, go down for a real reason. So I say you've got to give credit to Mason Mount, stood on his feet, showed great upper body strength. And that's we've got to give credit to him because most players would have gone down, which would have made it easier for the referee. But he stood on his feet. And in the reality of it, if you look at it, it is a foul. He does pull him back and tug him back. But at that point, it's too late. The referee was in a great position to see it. It's a foul. It's hard done by because in the reality of the game, it's denying a goal scoring opportunity. He has to be sent off by the laws of the game. So if you are tomorrow, you're going to feel hard done by. Because if you're going to get sent off, you want to get sent off for a proper tackle or a real obvious goal-scoring opportunity. But again, we give credit to Mason
0: Mount for staying on his feet. And that changed the dynamic of the game. Listen, it was a disappointing, in my opinion, a disappointing fact that we didn't get to see the game we all wanted to see. Obviously a great result for Chelsea fans out there, and I I actually had Chelsea to win this game regardless. Just thought the quality they had was just too much. Obviously the red card did change the game, and changed the game that we were going to probably enjoy watching there. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on the score sheet again today for Chelsea Football Club. Obviously began his career, James, at Milan, so that must have been a nice feeling for him to go back there, score a goal, his third Chelsea goal since he's arrived. Nice little assist from Mason Mount as well but overall your thoughts and opinion on Chelsea getting that job done in Milan
2: yeah I mean I find it really hard to know whether they were any good at all um I thought Milan was certainly giving them a game and playing a lot better before that red card but frankly you know I, I mean you know Nigel is right if it was a foul and I know our rules expert Christina uncle said on broadcast that she didn't think it was a foul Mm-hmm. If it was a foul, then the laws of the game state that is a red card. But I don't think that should stop us from doing two things. It, it it shouldn't stop us from, first of all, saying the laws are wrong in that case. That is stupid. It ruins the game. You know, that law is there so that, you know, if a player's got an open goal or a simple chance, a defender isn't tempted to just rugby tackle the striker to the floor without trying mm-hmm. to play the ball. Now, you know, <laughs> Tamori wasn't quite trying to play the ball. But it was hardly like you know this was an act of great cynicism to stop Mount from getting a shot away. This was defending. It was, I mean, I thought it was probably just about a foul,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but it just is perverse to that the, the the laws are phrased in such a way that 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 is the fair outcome. And and I also think, you know, this is the fiddly thing, and I do appreciate we make it really hard for Referees, as pundits, as journalists, as media, the whole
0: environment makes it really tough. How, how, how so, though, James? I mean, these, these, well, because the referees, no, but hold on a minute, right? The referees right now got video review to go back on, they have support system right here. We just have the beautiful game, we have to sit back, shut up, and watch decisions that they make. And even with video review, sometimes they make a wrong decision. Oh, I mean, but everyone makes wrong decisions. We, I make wrong,
2: I make wrong factual statements in my, in my work. my does We all do. No, Nigel doesn't. Of course, I do. No, 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 no. I um, so, yeah. But, you know, we, we blow up debatable play things we disagree with and say the referee's got it wrong when actually quite often it's just the referee's got a different view of, of that than we do. I mean, a great, another great example. Go back to um, the way in which people have been speaking about Arsenal's <laughs> first goal and the lack of VAR lines for, um, for Saka and how that was, in, in some way, that's bad officiating. It wasn't. They didn't think it was an offside, and VAR couldn't intervene. And it's just been turned into this great conspiracy theory story that it isn't at all. Having said all that, would anyone have minded if the referee had bent the law a bit there, and if he'd said, well, yeah, by the book, I've got, I've got... And I know that one day I'm going to come on here and go, well, all we want is consistency. Then all I'm asking for here is common sense, and it's that's what is makes it so hard. Is we want everything to be perfect, and it's never going to be, even with the AR. Yeah, but um, I just think I just think in the end that referee was spoiling the contest already, and of course his top priority is to keep the players safe, not to make the game fun. But by yeah. God, he did not make that game fun. He just, he made that game <laughs> less than it could be.
0: Listen, James. I think it's frustrating. Hold on a minute, Nigel. I want to ask everybody who's out there watching because we've got a lot of people tuning in today. Obviously, the Champions League's just finished match day four. We're discussing AC Milan against Chelsea. I want to know what the viewers think, whether that was the right call or not. Do you agree with Nigel? Probably the right call. Obviously, the red card as well. A bit harsh, but probably the right call. Or, or do you think otherwise here? We have had a couple of comments already coming in saying that, yeah, listen, it manhandled. It's absolutely a free kick. But I want to know from all our viewers what they think is a free kick. And Vic, by the way, you. Can- jumping in the chat here saying yesterday I went for Milan yeah of course I want Milan to win that game but my head tells me that Chelsea and that's what I predicted at the end of the day we're going to win it so please let us know let us know in the comments if you agree this was a foul or not Nigel go ahead take it away I'm just gonna say look the reality of it is I
1: disagree with Christina it's a foul it's a foul if that was anywhere else on the pitch and you pull a player back when they're on the other goal side of you it's going to be given as a foul the difficult thing the referee had to do is Follow the laws of the game. He's pulled him back. Mason Mount's done well, as we've said, to stay on his feet, which I respect. And I love that because I don't like players going down easily. He's one-on-one with the goalkeeper. So, Tomori pulling him back is denying him a goal-scoring opportunity. It's a mm-hmm. tough pill to swallow because it ruined the game. But it's a foul. And if you're Tomori, you're going to feel hard done by it because it wasn't like a, a great, dirty tackle. It was a slight tug. But in the reality of it, if we're going to be real critical... Tomore should have done better not to be caught wrong side of Mason Mount. That's the reality of it. If you want to analyze it from a footballing perspective, he let Mason route, get the run of him. And that's why he put himself in that situation because he wasn't in the right position first off. But the reality of it is it's a foul. It's not a hard foul or a tough. It's a soft foul, but it's still a foul stopping a goal scoring opportunity with a player. One-on-one with the goalkeeper.
2: Jim. Two things I just want to say on that. I, I think probably you're right, Nigel, but at- there are, There is definitely work to do, and maybe in the way we frame this as well, taking a long, hard look at the laws and how they are phrased. Mm-hmm. If Tamori had kind of gone for the ball from the side and fouled, you know, kind of dived in and potentially like, you know, let's say he hit, hit Mount hard on the ankle, injured him. But if he's playing for the ball and kind of gets near the ball, that's a yellow card. That seems a little bit perverse. I mean, there's another example of this was Rashford, the weekend when we know that he handled the ball put the ball in the net but if he'd squared it for I think it was Martial alongside him it would have been a goal and I think we blame the referees for this we actually need to be looking at the people that are writing the laws
0: yeah That's a great point, writing the laws. Who is the one who's writing the laws here? Because really, realistically, the game is changing so so completely that we're we're starting to get this non-contact sport now that's frustrating the hell out of me more than anything else. Some of the comments, Nigel, before I let you just answer to James right there. Uh, Great one from Matt Osman. He says, I agree. The defender knows he can't have his hands on the attacker here. Uh, We've got SSB28 here says, that was a foul here. El Solitario, he says, wasn't even a penalty. The Milan player brushed the guy's shoulder for a fraction of a second and the Chelsea player died for 10 seconds later the game was fixed come on UEFA and then we've got Vixen why bend the law he was the last man there outplayed they outplayed themselves by being too aggressive tomorrow he's an average player and he got what he deserved at the end of the day so some probably direct uh, comments right there coming in we appreciate them all keep the comments coming but Nigel you wanted to react there to James I just want to say the last thing let's be real we all watch
1: football even the people tuning in and listening let's be honest about it I always talk about football players and football intelligence I'm not playing in this generation. I played in the older generation. So I knew what I could get away with, what I can't get away with. What I don't understand is, with this generation of players that are playing, we know VAR, VAR is in play. You know every tackle is going to be analysed. You know there's cameras everywhere now. When a player is going to start educating himself or playing at a more smarter level into the aspect of the modern game. So for me, tomorrow knows that in those situations, your best bet is trusting your goalkeeper and let him go you've still got 90 plus more minutes to get something because you know now point. from how they're trying to mm. make the game perfect. It's an imperfect game they're trying to make perfect. Everything is going to be analyzed. So when a player is going to start taking a bit more responsibility and just letting the game play and understanding that this is a different style of football we're playing now, they've had enough time now to adapt to VAR and it goes to the point of whenever an incident occurs, I still don't, to this day, get the understanding why players run to the referee to say, you've got to check VAR, check VAR, when they know they will check it when there's a break in play. So for me, I think footballers need to take a bit more responsibility and use a bit more intelligence.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, though, Nigel... I understand that and I respect that, but the game is changing so quickly for these players as well out there on the pitch. And, and and listen, you would have absolutely hated video review. It would have you'd have had a lot more yellow and red cars than you did have I in probably your would career. Have a lot more red. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> the sure. thing is though, you, you have to try and change and obviously move with the times of the game. i mean, I would have absolutely hated video review as well. And I thought initially when it first came in, it was gonna ruin the game. And then I came around to the fact, hey, you know what, this is actually really helping the game. But now some of the decisions that are being made, and we're talking about things that are just slight, offsides, handballs, stupid little decisions where video review, just in my opinion, there should be a fraction that you give to the entertainment of the game. The game's still yes. got to be fun to watch here. Like the game, obviously, there's, there's well, decisions all around. But- think about what you're saying. You say you want to give a fraction, but
1: then again, there's going to be inconsistencies consistencies with that because it's going to right. be down to, again, individual interpreters, interpreters of it. Of an event, and it's going to be um, whether someone thinks this way and then someone thinks that way. So that's mm. what the difficulty you're going to have when you're trying to give these little um, fractions of uh, differences.
0: Yeah. Hey, Nigel, uh, we've got a great comment coming in here from El Solitario. Once again, he says, If you think that's a foul, then you should go and commentate Netball FFS, if you know what that means, Nigel real Get be out of here, man. Yeah. All right.
1: what, it's what, a blatant what, foul. Because if I tell you this now, let's be like, real. This is what football fans hate, Ian. If it was the other way round, Milan fans would be saying it's a foul. Let's be real. If it's the other way round, give credit to a player not going down easily. Tomori clearly pulls him back. You can see it. His goal is wrong side. Mason Mount's clear on goal, one on with the keeper. Once yep. you put a hand on an attacking player, it's going to be given a foul. If that was the opposite way round and that was Rafael Leal being pulled by Reese James, yep. into, uh, Milan fans would be going absolutely crazy. So let's just be honest it. about that.
0: I think we're spending too much time talking about this video review at the end of the day. Reese James obviously picked up an injury. I'd like to get your opinion on that one there, James. It's a little bit disappointing for him personally, but also for the team. And um, But also, uh, I want to get your thoughts, both of you, really on Milan. I mean, what a disappointment over the two games, regardless of the video review here. This was a disappointing two ties for AC Milan, James, at the end of the day.
2: I uh, See, I disagree with you there. I thought they were better than they got credit for early on in the in the first leg and we're, it was just defended some set pieces really dreadfully. And then this one, I thought they were the better team. I thought Teo Hernandez was doing really interesting things until this red card, which we're not going to go on about. I mean, for me, this Rhys James thing, it could be big. I'm kind of checking Twitter and everything. I haven't seen any updates yet, but uh, it looked very painful, that knee injury. He collided with Teo Hernandez, tried to play on, couldn't. I mean, obviously, this is a, an issue for Chelsea? But it's a big issue for England as well going into the World Cup when Kyle Walker is already a doubt. Um, I think Rhys James is the best right back in the world. I think he's arguably the best player in that England squad alongside, you know, Harry Kane. Not having him, and I know best, we have no idea player. yet. Yeah, 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 oh, definitely. I think so. player. that's
1: player. It's a big statement
2: in that England. Why well, not? I mean, I know it's a big statement, and there's lots of good players in that England squad. But Rhys James can do it all. You know, I mean, I. If Walker, if Walker was missing, you could absolutely trust him to be the right centre-back. You play him right winger, play him central midfield. He's so Ooh. versatile. And I think he is the best right back in the world. And, you know, technically... Ian and I
1: disagree with you, James, but it's all right.
2: That's... And, but either way, wherever you rank him, and I can't believe if you wouldn't have him in the top three, right? No, 100 Top three in the England team. Um, it's going to be really tough without him because he's such a plug-and-play guy. I think, you know... We don't want to have a big conversation about Alexander Arnold again, but he requires you to make adjustments. Reese James, you can put anywhere and you know he'll do a great job. And I think England will really struggle without
0: him and
1: Walker if that's what happens.
0: Nigel, quick response, or do you want to move on? No,
1: we can move on. I think uh, James is right. I think he's a big loss for England more than anything else. Like when you say all round, him and Carl Walker, all round, we've got a problem with Carl Walker. Now, this Reese James situation, we need to see what the damage is. so to speak and then also you talk about Trent now he's also injured now so Mm. there could be a big problem in England in the right hand
0: side Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Okay, the other game in the group was also a very entertaining and interesting one here. Dinamo, Zagreb won, Salzburg won. Uh, Zivald opened the score in 12 minutes into the game before Lubicic equalized 40 minutes on the clock, the 23-year-old scoring his first ever Champions League goal. I draw probably, probably a fair result at the end of the day, but it makes it interesting now when we go to match day five. If you look at the table, the way this table is set right now, it's insane. Chelsea, top of the table with seven points, Salzburg six points, second in the group. AC Milan on the four points, as are Dinamo, Zagreb. Both of those team, two teams at the bottom go head-to-head and number one and two go head-to-head on match day five. And that potentially could see them through if you win that game. So that's going to be very interesting. We move on to Group F here. The most important group of the day because Celtic played Leipzig and they lost. Nigel, thanks very much for tipping Leipzig in the game. Timo Werner got on the score sheet today. Seventh goal of the season across all competitions. uh, uh, Andre Silva with the assist and then Emils Forsberg. Wrapped things up here. A little stat coming out of that game. No team in history has lost more than Celtic consecutively at home in the Champions League. That is their seventh consecutive defeat at home. It was Once a fortress in the Champions League and domestically, not at all. The other game in the group was shacked out against Real Madrid. Uh, Finished 1-1. Not nice to see Rudiger at the end there. He did get the equalizing goal in the last minute. Real Madrid go through because of that equalizing goal to the knockout stage there. But a bit ugly, Nigel, seeing Rudiger's face at the end of that game.
1: Yeah, it wasn't nice, but it's brave heading. It's what Rudiger's always been about. He was doing the same thing at uh, Chelsea when he was here. And I'm not going to lie, he's one of the players that I do miss in the Premier League. He's an absolute character and he absolutely got clattered by the goalkeeper. But he put his head where it hurts, you know, and he doesn't just do it in a defensive aspect. He also does it in the attacking aspect and uh, saved his team, got them the point that put them through. And uh, as Michael always says, that Real Madrid do have a history of always having one indifferent or two indifferent results in the group stages. But they didn't lose. They got the the draw and Rudik has paid the price. And I'm sure he's still better looking than James. but. It is what it is.
2: <laughs> it always will be. We, we
1: got some nice comments you need coming in. He a lot in. more
2: damage than that. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, uh, going, James. Yeah, no, I, I just a lot of sympathy for Celtic, not just because you and I, Ian, or certainly I, um, picked them to win this game. And again, you know, kind of watching this out the corner of my eye, there were moments, and I think, you know, I think Celtic will look back on on this group stage campaign and sort of say if we'd been if we'd taken chances in the first half and they really faded in the second um each time pretty much in every game i think that's kind of where they've let it slip away if they could have made more of their good moments in the first half they might still be in this and it's a shame that they and rangers are almost certainly not going to be playing in europe next
1: put your violin away james put your violin away (laughs) big r I'm going to try and clear up the table and pick Celtic. What did I tell you? Oh, they make chances, but they can't put it in the back of the net. I told you that. That was what was going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. So put your violin away for Celtic because you knew what was coming. You followed your heart, and your heart got a knife right in the middle of it.
0: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We got disappointment we coming in you. all around there. I get it, I get it, I get it. Real Madrid fans are all in our chats right now. Omar Rudiger, yes, Real Madrid, Al Madrid. That's what's coming in here. Uh, Vic, he says Rudiger, what a big man, big game player. Vic says as well. SSB twenty eight, Rudiger, looking, uh, he got looking like he got jumped. Okay, we're about yeah, to get jumped. It was, it was it Madrid, in, it, he's bleeding badly. Like his face looks a mess. Didn't look good, but he's he's a tough cookie. At the end of the day, Rudiger, he's uh, certainly one brave man out there, and he was. Brave, even going into the challenge. So to get the ball in the back of the net into that challenge is quite incredible. Omar saying he left it all out on the pitch. You know where the same DNA in? Yep. Rudigo and I are the same DNA. You know that, right? No chance, man. Uh, we actually inherited Sierra Leone.
1: Hey, don't worry about me, mate. We could go in the UFC gym anytime, both from Sierra Leone. Do You know that,
0: did you? Nigel, you last about one minute where I come from. Uh, let's go into <laughs> Tuke Leban. He says here, what happened to your prediction on Milan winning the game though, Nigel? What happened to that? The the, the sending off changed the game. I agree with James that Milan did look good. They looked good. They started well. It
1: was going to be a good game if there was 11 players on both sides. I really think we could have been in for a cracking game. But at the end of the day, we always say goals change games and sending off and stuff like that do change games. I, I personally felt if it stayed 11 v 11, it could have been a great game
0: yeah Serge just before we get to break here he says Real Madrid signed a great player in Rudiger Hazard on the other hand I think lost Ancelotti's trust right there Uh, Hazard off the field I mean they made many changes when they were 1-0 down we got to give a lot of credit to Shakhtar Donetsk in that game for the way that they performed Uh, I do appreciate everybody out there joining in the chat you're watching Keiko Lazo Um, it's been an awesome show so far we've been recapping match day 4 in the Champions League Tuesday's slate of fixtures a lot of comments coming in we're trying to get through as many as we possibly can so keep those comments coming even if they're anger in the direction of what Nigel Rio Coker says that's okay drop the why are you coming for me for what about what James says James says some crazy stuff he's an Arsenal fan they can go for him too all love for James Bench in the comments right now but we are going to take a quick break so make sure you stay with us when we return we'll have a look at the rest of Tuesday's Champions League games including Paris Saint-Germain and big trouble for Juventus stay right there Welcome back. You're watching Cake A Lot. So it's Ian Joy alongside Nigel Rio Coker and James Bench. And uh, we are about to get set to get stuck into Group H, Just where Paris Saint-Germain were taking on Benfica today. Both teams level on seven points going into the game. Maccabi Haifa against Juventus was the earlier kickoff. A surprise result there. But we're also going to welcome in Jonathan Johnson, who is at the Parc de Prance He enjoyed himself a little bit in the game today, but I wonder if he enjoyed the result. JJ, how are you doing, buddy?
3: Hey they guys. Doing very well, thanks. I enjoyed myself very much before the game, not so much during the game. It wasn't quite sort of what I think many people were expecting, but uh, intriguing nonetheless.
0: All right, a lot of noise going into this game today. Let's start with it. Mbappe. I mean, we can't even talk about the game because Mbappe's noise going into this match. Uh, media reporting that, of course, you were also talking about that Mbappe is wanting to leave the club as quick as he possibly can. How much of that was a distraction for the team today, do you think? And what is the truth behind all the noise with this?
3: I mean, I think it definitely was a distraction given that it was so close to kickoff. I mean, this sort of broke mid-afternoon, and I think it was quite telling that sporting advisor Luis Campos was kind of put up to the press before the game to, uh, you know, to swat away these rumours, because they not only concern Kylian Mbappe and a potential move away in the winter transfer window, also uh, you know, concerned uh, Campos as well, suggestions that he's sort of on board with this kind of, almost like a coup of Mbappe's uh, to basically try and, uh, you know, make sure that he gets played in the position that he wants to, uh, and that he is by and far, uh, you know, the, the main focal point of not just PSG's team on the pitch, uh, you know, but the project as a a whole. I mean, I think it's difficult to get more integral to to what PSG are today than Mbappé is at present. But, you know, he has been vocal in the last couple of weeks that he would like his position uh, at PSG to reflect the one that he's playing for France as well. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of chatter about that. And, you know, there was a lot of, I wouldn't even say that it was a negative uh, atmosphere around uh, Mbappé at the stadium. It was more one of intrigue to see sort of how how he performed perform under pressure, obviously scored the penalty uh, and very nearly uh, activated hero mode later on when he scored that acrobatic effort that got chalked off. So, you know, I think PSG definitely still a work in progress, uh, but I don't think that Mbappe's timing on that, uh, you know, would have been helpful today, but it could have been worse for PSG because they could quite easily have lost this game against a very good Benfica side.
1: Now, JJ, I know you're a very intelligent man. In your opinion, do you think that this is a media hit job on Mbappe to, to really tarnish his character? Or do you feel that there is some smoke behind this?
3: I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, obviously we've got insiders like Ben Jacobs, like Fabrizio Romano. You know, everybody that you speak to about this affirms that Kylian Mbappe isn't 100% happy at PSG right now with the way things have been going since he extended his contract. Uh, However, uh, you know, what Campos said publicly is true. There hasn't been officially, uh, you know, a demand to to, to leave the club. So it very much feels like this is, uh, you know, a bit of pressure being put on PSG by, uh, you know, those in and around. Around Mbappe to try and put him in the best position possible, uh, you know, to play his football, but also to be, uh, you know, the real figurehead of, uh, of this project. And I mean, it kind of feels like this has been coming, to be honest, since the very beginning of the season. You know, we saw Mbappe, uh, you know, start the season injured, uh, suspended, while Neymar and Messi really hit the ground running. And it feels like he's been playing catch up ever since. Uh, you know, and I think really, really, it's almost like Mbappe needs to now just get his head down. Keep performing the way that he has done, uh, you know, up until that contract extension. Because when he turns it on, when he puts the team on his back, you know, he's able to carry them in a way that, let's face it, with all due respect for for what they've achieved in the game, Neymar and Messi still haven't been able to at the biggest of occasions for PSG. JJ, just a,
2: a quick question, maybe on the bigger picture for PSG. Of course, we know by January, Qatar's great sporting project, uh, the 2022 World Cup, that will will be at an end. Is there a sense that, that that has played any part in, you know, in PSG's decision to, to, to pr- or the pressure that was put on Mbappe to stay uh, last summer when he, he clearly seemed to want to go to Real Madrid? Um, and could it like have any longer term ramifications? Will Qatar get bored of all this, of fighting to keep Mbappe, of fighting to kind of keep their project at the top of the European tree and, and not winning the Champions Leagues? <laughs>
3: i I think that's uh it's a good and it's a valid question um you know obviously it would be a bad look I think for PSG to have lost uh, a key figure like Mbappe just a couple of months before the World Cup so obviously there was that in play. Uh, obviously they let the the opportunity to have won a Champions League title before the World Cup sort of slip through their fingers as well but I think the moment where you know we were looking at Qatar potentially uh, you know exiting PSG immediately after the World Cup has passed given the money that they're pumping into stuff like the new training facility which is going to take another couple of years to be built, Uh, you know, I do think that they will be a bit frustrated and perhaps at some point, uh, you know, might just you know, give up and, and potentially try and cash in on Mbappe. But to think that they'd do it immediately uh, after the World Cup, so in the January transfer window, I don't think that'll happen. I think almost, you know, the last couple of years with PSG uh, and in European football have given uh, you know PSG's Qatari owners a real taste, uh, you know, for uh, success in uh, in Europe at the top level. And I think that's why we've now seen them, you know, branching out into other clubs like Braga. They purchased around twenty-one and a half percent of Braga earlier in the week. Uh, and there's been rumours as well that we might see them entering into other clubs in Europe you've got the Aspire links at Urpen. I think, uh, I believe it's the same as well at Leeds so, you know, this is potentially you know, your next, I think City Football Group or Red Bull project as opposed to, you know, the Qataris sort of cutting and running from from PSG and potentially, you know, selling the club and all of its assets, including Mbappe presumably, uh, you know, sometime in the next 12 to 18 months
1: Now, I'm just going to throw this out there to everyone here, right? I'm going to give the, 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 the human element of this. Now, obviously, like J, uh, James said, we know Mbappe wanted to leave to go to Real Madrid. And I, I personally believe he still wants to go to Real Madrid. There's an element there. He stayed with PSG, let's be real, because he got paid very well to stay there. I don't really believe too much in him being the figurehead of this club and the head of this project. I don't think so, no. But do you think there's an element that comes into it when you look at what Haaland is doing at Manchester City? how the world and everyone in football generally is talking about the Haaland goal scoring machine and Mbappe isn't getting that kind of same limelight do you feel that that kind of plays a part of him looking at Haaland and wanting that same kind of respect and admiration and leading the club to this whole situation we're seeing at PSG are you are you saying he wants to get out of a farmers league <laughs> don't say that to don't say that to JJ but, you know uh, what so JJ though on a personal let's be real cuz footballers yes they're Good human beings at times, not all of them, but they do have an ego issue. And if you think about how Haaland has gone to Manchester City, the whole world and football world is talking about Haaland and what he's doing to Manchester City, breaking records, goals. It's all Haaland. Mbappe is still sitting there to a slight degree under Messi and Neymar's shadow. That could be playing an element of, I need to get out there and I need to go somewhere else.
3: Well, you know what? I I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but then I feel like, you know, why doesn't Mbappe just do his talking on the pitch? You know, why does he allow himself to be molded into this brand, which he has been over the last couple of years by those around him, where, you know, he's kind of built up to be this, uh, you know, completely perfect figure who's also a phenomenal footballer. Uh, You know, if you want to be a top level professional uh, you know, and play the game at the highest levels. Then prioritize, you know, what happens on the pitch in your career. Uh, you know, don't prioritize sort of, you know, being seen as, uh, you know, the the new face of a generation, which is basically what you know the brand Mbappe, uh, you know, has been created to do in the last couple of years. I think that there has to come a point, and you know, the same applies to PSG as well. And we felt like it was that moment arriving this summer where, you know, you have to take it back to the basics, and it has to be all about the football at one point.
2: But, but seriously, if he wants to do his talking on the pitch, doesn't he kind of need to be in a league? He can only do his talking in the Champions League, can't he? He can only do it in six games. I know Ian had something he wanted to say, but I just thought I'd chuck that in. I mean, it, it, you, how can you talk on the pitch when it's, you know, against Mets and Ajaccio? But do you know what it is, James, you know?
1: James, as well, just before Ian jumps in, sorry. It's also the fact of, remember, it's still the, the reliance of you got Messi and Neymar. These ain't just good players. These are historic players that's going to go in the world of football. So even if he has to do his talking on the pitch, there's still that reliance of great assist by Messi, great assist by Neymar, Name. So he's always still underneath that shadow. And just to add to what JJ said, the problem that I don't like, that I'm seeing with Mbappe right now, like you said, is it's this whole perfect image. No one's perfect. Give a true reflection of yourself because as much as he tries to have this perfect image, this generational footballer, this face the more a lot of people are going to be against him to a certain degree because they're not seeing the real Mbappe and then eventually as that boils up and builds up you might have a Will Smith moment
0: JJ you want to respond to that? <laughs>
3: I mean, honestly,
1: my feelings on it,
3: um, I think, you know, aside from the Premier League, you can make an argument that Mbappe doesn't necessarily have to be anywhere else. Yes, obviously, there's huge prestige when you go to a club like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. But is that really that much more of a challenge in La Liga, you know, outside of those clubs? I'm not sure it is. I mean, I think, you know, you can, you can make the argument for the Premier League, given how competitive it is. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that's also partly where some of this frustration comes into it on Mbappe's part because you know when he signed up to continue this project with PSG it looked like Neymar would be moved on in the summer you know Messi to all intents and purposes looked you know washed for a better for want of a better excuse obviously he's proved that's not the case uh, you know and Neymar's perks up whether that's because it's World Cup year or just because it's a new a breath of fresh air given that Galtier and Campos have come in but you know at the end of the day you know, suddenly PSG have three star players as opposed to one who was carrying the team on his back all the time, which is what was happening to Mbappe last season. So, uh, you know, I think that they either need to learn to coexist or, you know, PSG have some difficult decisions to make and perhaps have to part with some of their prized uh, assets. You know, you've got Messi's contract coming to an end and suddenly with Neymar in this kind of form, he's actually, you know, a player that other clubs might look at now and think, well, you know, maybe he is worth splashing some money on, which wasn't the case in the summer.
0: You're watching Keiko Lazo here as he enjoy alongside Nigel Rio Cooker, James Benjamin, live from Paris, it's Jonathan Johnson. We've just been discussing Mbappe. What do you think about Mbappe? Please drop in the comments. We may not get to your comment today, but I've got a feeling we'll got a big segment coming up next week all about Mbappe and what's happening in Paris. But just real quickly, JJ, before I let you go, um, Benfica got the job done there. They got a point in Paris. It's a pretty good point. How impressed were you with them, or were they lucky to take that point? with PSG not necessarily firing on all cylinders trying to get that second goal.
3: I don't think that Benfica were lucky. I definitely think they deserved it. I think they've been very good over the over the two legs. In fact, I think PSG were probably the better side in the first leg, as opposed to the second. I thought that you know Benfica you know gave a very good account of themselves, and I think that they justify being in the position they're in at this stage. You know, five points clear of Juve and Maccabi Haifa with two games left to play. I think it looks pretty good for both PSG and Benfica to get out of this group. Uh, you know, and I don't think it's uh, it's undeserved. You know, this is a very impressive Benfica side. They're well drilled by. Roger Schmidt. And let's not forget, you know, it's not only PSG who remain unbeaten with this result, it's also Benfica. You know, they haven't suffered a defeat yet this season. Uh, and I do think that they are quite an underrated side. And, you know, they unexpectedly got to the latter stage of the Champions League last season with a lesser squad, albeit they did have Darwin Nunez scoring the goals up top, but I think that this is more of a well-rounded Benfica unit. They've got some very good players playing at a very good level at this moment in time. Uh, it just feels like, it, it, you know, they could be, you know, one of those sort of dark horses, not, not to go all the way and win the Champions League, although we don't know sort of what shape uh, the competition will be in by the end of the World Cup, but, you know, to go on another deep run unexpectedly.
0: Maybe another banger in match day five. Benfica at home to Juventus. What a game that is going to be to look forward to. Jonathan Johnson in Paris. Bonne nuit. Thank you very much for joining us after the game today. Uh, Boys, quick round of applause for Jonathan Johnson as he departs us right now. Well done. He's in in the basement again. What a why, my friend? Uh, Just a quick start coming out of that game. Obviously, PSG finishing 1-1 with Benfica. Mbappe scored his 31st goal with Paris in the Champions League, overtaking Edison Cavani on 30 goals. Uh, He is now PSG's outright top goal scorer in the competition. Uh, Let's talk about the other game in the group, and I've got a feeling we're going to talk a lot about this game. Uh, Please, everybody out there, if you're joining in the conversation, let us know in the comments what you think about Juventus today. They went down by two goals to nil against Maccabi Haifa. Omar Attili scored both goals in the game, both coming in the first half. Not great news for Juventus with Di Maria looking like he pulled up with a hamstring injury today. Nigel Rio-Coker, we're going to continue to bang the drum here. Things are not quite right in Juventus right now. And certainly that hot seat for Allegri just got a little bit hotter. Ah, forget Juventus, Ian. Maccabi
1: Haifa were absolutely sensational. Give credit to them. They're a very difficult team to beat at home, and they play great football. This wasn't a win by luck; this was a win by a great performance. Just like they took uh, Paris Saint Germain some time as well, but a great performance, great goals. They completely dominated the game. Uh, we don't really need to talk about Juventus. I'm I'm going to leave Jay. I'm I'm going to let um, James get in Juventus. I'm not going to yeah. talk about Juventus. I saw how dreadful they were against AC Milan. I should have followed my heart for the picks. Can I? Can you believe I actually? Had a little bit of faith in Juventus and the quality, and that cost me my pick. And I should have gone on Mojave Haifa.
2: Jim Scott. I I'm yeah, I thank you so much, Nigel, because I've got I've still got ammo to aim at, at Juventus. But I thought I kind of wanted to start with this, because I think we'll all agree, you know, anyone that that remembers him as a footballer or knows him as a pundit at all, that... I think Alessandro Del Piero, not just one of the greatest players of his generation, but probably one of the nicest, a real top gentleman, even if he could sometimes be a bit of a difficult guy on the pitch. So when he says it's difficult to talk about Juventus with positive words, you know, it's bad. And (laughs) I kind of can't quite shake the sense that, you know, when, um, you know, when you're at school or when you, you know, when you're young and your parents will punish you by making you sort of do extra chores or something like that, that to me is the only explanation I have for why Juventus came out after the game and said, Max Allegri is going to be our manager until the end of the season. Obviously they're not happy with the players and they're effectively saying, "Mm, you know, you lot need to buck up your ideas and to teach you a lesson, we're going to leave you with this manager that the game has passed by, whose tactics are are woeful and I agree with Nigel. I watched this game and you would have thought that Maccabi Haifa were the one with the 100 million euro plus budget. Not not Juventus they were so meek unassertive you know they let Maccabi Haifa dominate and to Maccabi Haifa's credit they did but Juventus can't allow that (laughs) you know that that caliber of player cannot allow themselves to be coached like that cannot allow themselves to be dominated like that and as the comments just said there god they can't allow themselves to be so boring they, yeah this is it this is these are players that are that are atrophying and if I was someone like Dusan Vlavic, who is in real risk of of frittering away an important year i don't think he's as good as people said in the first place but he's a talented young striker if i was him i would be knocking on on the doors of the higher ups and going please sack this manager because he's making
0: it really hard for me to be good at football it drives me crazy. Nigel, I'm going to jump in real quickly. It drives me crazy with everyone banging on the drum about Dusan Vlahovic. Listen, for Juve fans out there, let us know your feelings right now because I am peed off with what you're going through. This is insane. We had a great comment coming in just a moment ago about the tactics from Allegri. These tactics are from 10, 15 years ago. doesn't work anymore. This is a different Juve team. You don't have the best players in Italy anymore. You don't have the best players in the European game anymore. Tactically, I thought their approach was poor. You knew it was going to be a cauldron to go play because people PSG, they had the same when they went to Maccabi Haifa. It's difficult to go play there. It's like a 12th man. But they also have talent, Maccabi Haifa, and we got to give them credit for the job that they did do. What a great couple of goals that they scored. Chesney, not sure what the hell he was doing on a couple of those goals today. He could have done so much better. I was just very, very disappointed. And I think Juventus fans out there have every right to be angry at what's happening with your football club. Not just the Allegri decision to say, hey, we're going to back our coach right now, but also with decision-making, tactics, team approach, team selection, substitutions at times, and also... The money that was spent on Dusan Vlahovic, I get you're buying the potential and he scored a ton of goals at Fiorentina before he made that move to Juventus, but he's not proven and penalty kicks. Yeah, but he's not proven in the Champions League and he's not proven at the big level at the big stage. And that's where I think he's failing. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a very good player. You put him in a better team. He'll score a shitload of goals. No doubt about it. He will score goals. But Juve fans right now have every right to be absolutely pissed off with what's going on at their football club. And to see them sticking with Allegri baffles me right now. I don't get it, Nigel. Take it away.
1: Yeah, that's the thing for me. I think for me, when you look at that performance, you look at the players and how they're applying themselves. The only change you can do is getting rid of the manager. Keeping the manager there and making it seem like it's a punishment for the players to buck up their ideas isn't going to work. It's only going to get worse. Players are not stupid. Players know eventually the media and the press are going to keep putting it on the manager more so than the players. That's what's going to happen. The, the media and the press are not going to talk about the players and their performing. They're going to be like, you bring in new management for a reason to uplift the dressing room, the the, the, the stadium, the, the working environment. That's why you bring management in management of it. But if you think you're going to keep someone there, for a bunch of already demotivated players who are not playing to their maximum full level, where tactically the manager's leaving himself open to be questioned by people in the media, it's only going to go from bad to worse. I think they started with a 4-4-2 in this game today. And it didn't even have the personnel to play for a 4-4-2. If you're going to play a 4-4-2, you have the right right personnel and very athletic team all the way around because of what comes with playing the 4-4-2. And for mm-hmm. me, like you said, it's just so outdated. Everything he does is questionable. And it's questionable by people in the press and in the media, ex-players, that you can't say anything positive about Juventus. There's no positive light. So when you're saying he's going to be there at the end of the season,
0: it's only going to get worse and worse for Juventus. Well, let me tell you, the comments are flying in right now. We've got, this might be sick, but the downfall is hilarious. Some are laughing at the expense of Juventus right now. Couldn't happen to a nicer club. Um, We also have uh, listen to the captain when he speaks. That's Daniel Simpkins, who also made a comment a moment ago here, Nigel Rio-Coker. I'm going to read it out to you. Nigel Rio-Coker, the real midfield choker. Irons, irons, irons. Um, What does he mean by choker? Does he mean used to panic in that position? He's he's probably trying
1: to be smart ass, but it doesn't quite work. It's funny. It's all right. (laughs)
0: Thank you to everybody out there for jumping in the comments and letting us know your feelings about what's happening at Juventus Football Club. Uh, big week coming up for Juve. They play Torino in the Derby away from home at the weekend. Then they have Empoli before going to Benfica in a match that they must win. Oh, by the way, they're at home to PSG on match day six, which they might already be out of the knockout stages by the time we get to match day six. So at the table right now, Group H is looking like there's PSG top on eight points. Benfica with eight points also joining them. Benfica have done so well, as have Cabi Haifa. They have won their first three points with a big victory against Juve today. Juve also on the three points as we move ahead to match day five. Let's turn our attention to Group G, Borussia Dortmund against Sevilla. Uh, Gentlemen, James Bench, I just want your opinion. Jude Bellingham scored again today. If I'm not mistaken, four match days in a row he has scored in the Champions League. The first uh, English teenager, might even be the first teenager. No, I think he's the third teenager to do it in uh, the first four match days in the Champions League. But first English one, very impressive, but a draw. Decent result. I would say for both teams.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jude Bellingham is about the only thing that can get me interested in this exceedingly boring group. Um, But what a, what a player. What a, you know, he can just do everything. And we've, we've spoken at great length about him in podcasts past. I mean, yeah, this just sort of seems to have everyone in group in this group just seems to be Happy with this particular... Group G seems to be happy with this particular uh, holding pattern, don't they? I think even Sevilla are just thinking, actually, we quite like going in the Europa League. We normally win that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. I'll be look. This is not going to be one that I'm going to be putting up on the screens at Destination Brooklyn in a fortnight. We'll be skipping all these games.
0: So we get the result, Nigel, and then you'd have to say with Sam Pauli now on the sidelines and his tattoos there, it's an immediate reaction from him. So you'd have to say impressive point, even though it probably won't really mount to anything in this group. Dortmund and Man City cruise control.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's an imp- impressive point in the sense of getting a reaction from the players, and it just I think it's more so going to be used domestically showing what they can do and what they're capable of when they apply themselves in the right way so for Sevilla it definitely is a big point for them but I would say in a way in a weird way and it's more about the performance so that they can take that to domestically because I'm sure Sevilla are more worried now about their domestic form than competing in Europe and as uh, James said there, they want to drop into the UEFA competition UEFA cup and uh, win that again and keep their historic
0: run going. Is that the Total Cup, Nigel? Is that what you're talking about there? <laughs> Do you the remember Inter-cup the Inter Total? <laughs> yeah, the Intertoto Cup.
1: <laughs> so they who, have a who are intelligent enough to know what I'm talking about.
0: They have a point, of piece taken away from Borussia Dortmund Stadium today, Signal Aduna, whatever you want to call it. Here's the stat I was talking about early on. Jude Bellingham is the third teenager to score in four consecutive UEFA Champions League appearances after Erling Haaland, who did it in five appearances in 2019, and Mbappe, four appearances in 2017. Incredible. three big Never games, heard right of there, those you're two. Telling him. Well, I wonder wow. what happened to those other two. Never heard of them. Well, one of them went to Manchester City who got a point on the road to Copenhagen, also in Group G today. Uh, I mean, this game was another annoying game, I must add to your video review, played a massive role in this game. Obviously, we had um, the, the situation with the handball, what a world-class strike it was, and taken away from a silly handball, we had a missed penalty from Mares. Um, but finishing 0-0, Nigel, a bit disappointing, huh? Disappointing. Very disappointing for, for Manchester City. Obviously, I know
1: they went down to 10 men as well. They stayed in there, but you'd expect Manchester City with the quality of the players that they have to still get a result. And uh, it's a bit worrying as well when Haaland doesn't play. Not really Even with 10 goals. men, no. Pardon? Even with 10 men. Even with 10 men. You'd expect them to get a result, yes. But it's, it's, it's a bit worrying when haland doesn't play. The goals kind of drop up a bit. I know, obviously, Rodri scored a fantastic goal that was ruled out for a handball. And again, it goes to what James said. Like, I don't think that handball was anywhere near intention or played such a big difference in the build-up to the goal. You know, they're mm-hmm. trying to fight players and comes up his hand, two passes later in the back of the net. Then obviously, the penalty as well is another one where the players are even looking at the ball. And again, VAR played a big part. I'm not going to go into VAR again. Played a big part in this game. And it it did ruin the game of football.
2: Yeah, I think it tells you everything about this game, doesn't it? That Rodri got the uh, man of the match award for that goal
0: that didn't count. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think that sort of says it all, really. (laughs) Oh, th- thanks very much for adding that, James, right there. Insightful, so as, I know. Right. As the boy right. mentioned right there, Rodri had an absolute banger that was disallowed with the handball from Mares. Don't think he knew too much about it. Striked his hand, just a little layoff uh, into the direction of this beautiful goal from Rodri. I mean, I was celebrating this banger in the top corner. Disappointing <laughs> that it was disallowed after video review intervened once again. Penalty kick, Mares missed on the 25th minute. Then they had the red card on the 30th minute. Sergio Gomez, uh, do you agree with the decision on the red card, last man defender? Denial of a goal-scoring opportunity right there? Nigel, not really much you can do about that, is there? There's not much you can do about it. I
1: think in, in, in the actual real-life action run of play of it, you thought, okay, cool, maybe, maybe you might get away with it coming together more so than anything. But again, with the inclusion of VAR, when you slow it down and you look at it,
0: yeah, you can see it being called, yeah. So you can't really argue with it. James doesn't agree, though. He doesn't think so. You're shaking your head there, James.
1: No, it's,
2: I it's, well, I I'm really can't be dealing with this game. Man City in the group stages.
0: (laughs) Manchester (laughs) City, eh? James. I want you to go get some more LEMSIP. go relax because we got a uh, obviously a busy weekend to look forward to we got more work to do tomorrow as well and we want to make sure that you're back uh, healthy and ready to go today thanks so much for joining us today Nigel before you go Daniel has chipped him one more time on our right comments he says you're a legend Nigel my son's hero growing up and thanks for your service to the mighty hammers i just wanted you to know that he also said his son has just turned 45 years old so he appreciates uh, all those years <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> How old are you, man? <laughs> oh, you're funny.
1: Tell him, I, I appreciate that. And I'm always up for a laugh and a good time. And one thing I always say is West Ham as a football club is absolutely unique. And if they ever did an Amazon documentary on West Ham, they need to spend more time with the fans than the players itself, because that club there is a club about the people more than it is about the players. Like, you really have to understand that. It's it's a great, great, great club. While Arsenal is private school, corporate, pompous, don't get that <laughs> shirt dirty boys anyway
0: I think there is a, a segment we can do on West Ham itself and believe it or not I actually spent a week down with West Ham when Harry Redknapp was the manager and Rio Ferdinand was playing centre forward in the youth team so there's stories to tell you about that incredible youth team but that'll be for another episode thank you boys for uh, the recap today it's been match day four of the Champions League I had Nigel Rio Coker with me James Bench who we wish him well in his recovery from the sickness that he has but thank you so much James for joining us I know it wasn't easy for you today we had Jonathan Johnson in Paris as well but big and most important shout out goes to everybody out there who joined in the comment section today thank you so much for letting us know your feelings your thoughts uh what do you think about the clubs who have been struggling but also your teams that have been winning in the Champions League uh thanks for watching Kegel please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform we're available on Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to your podcast we are also available and lucky for Nigel on video so subscribe to us on YouTube visit youtube.com <laughs> forward slash lot. so we'll see you next time enjoy all the games by the way tomorrow <laughs> we'll be back right at the final whistle ciao